0: Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of and Source, LLC. For more local news and information, please visit sawkinsource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners. I'm Josh Popachak, the host of No Rain Date and the publisher of Saucon Source, here with the news roundup for the week ending August 16th, 2021. It's been another hot week, although it did eventually cool down in the Saucon Valley area and the Lehigh Valley for that matter. It was also Music Fest week, so if you attended the festival, I hope you had a great time. For the most part, the weather was... Good, Although, like I said, it was quite warm most of the time, but there was not a tremendous amount of rain this year. And I know that the cooperation of Mother Nature was much needed, especially because the festival was only held online more or less in 2020 due to COVID-19. So Music Fest making a comeback is definitely a big story regionally this week. I have not yet seen numbers for the festival. If they've been reported, I I don't know that they have been reported yet, but typically within several days of the end of the festival, attendance figures are released and everybody always wants to know how many people attended Music Fest this year. And I guess the benchmark is sort of a million people. If more than a million attended, it's considered a success. And if it's less than a million, it's Considered an off year, maybe. Usually that only happens, though, if the weather does not cooperate a majority of the time. And like I said, that wasn't the case this year. Also, the fact that so many people missed it last year, I think, probably boosted attendance somewhat. Of course, they had a great lineup of concerts, food. We we covered some of that. We recently interviewed John Braun from Start Making Sense, which performed at the Levitt Pavilion at Music Fest on August 7th. So we were proud to uh, help them promote that and and always happy to give local musicians airtime on no rain date. We hope to continue doing that in the future. Closer to home in the Saucon Valley, the news has continued with regards to development and businesses, and that's going to be the majority of our headlines in this week's roundup one big story last week which johnny hart covered is about the planned public works facility in hellertown borough this has been discussed for more than a few years and basically the public works department is severely handicapped by the amount of space they have in their current building which is part of the borough hall complex It's the garage like structure behind Borough Hall. Uh, If you're familiar with the complex, I believe it's colloquially called the Stables. The plan is to build a modern public works garage facility on vacant land, which the borough owns on Northampton Street. Northampton Street between Magnolia Road and East Saucon Street. If you're familiar with the borough, you know that that is the former site of the Reinhardt School, which was demolished about seven or eight years ago now. That was a historic school building that was owned by the Saucon Valley School District. About 20 years ago, the school district sold it to the borough of Hellertown for $1 with the stipulation that it only be used or redeveloped for municipal purposes. So the borough could not simply turn around and sell it to a developer to build houses on it or anything like that. The land, as I said, has been vacant for quite some time. The borough does not have a lot of land that it owns, and certainly to buy land right now would would be cost prohibitive. So that's sort of been the attraction to the Reinhardt site. There has been opposition, of course, from from neighbors, primarily people who live in that immediate area, and that peaked a couple of years ago with a petition, but it seems that the neighbors have acquiesced to some degree or accepted the fact that this is likely going to be built. To their credit, the borough has made modifications to their plan, and much of Johnny's story focuses on The changes that they've made, they've reduced the footprint of the building so it will be smaller overall. They've added additional buffering around it in the form of landscaping. They've also said they will build a pocket park at the east end of the Reinhardt Field, which is not going to be developed. That was not going to be developed previously, but the pocket park is hopefully, I guess, going to sort of make up for the loss of some of the open space that the residents now enjoy. I think that's the plan. There's no timeline exactly yet for the start of construction. A number of things will have to fall into place. However, they did when the Planning Commission took up this matter last week, agreed to sort of fast track the development process at this point. And so perhaps by this time next year, we will be seeing a new building at that location, or at least the start of a new building. Obviously, we can't predict how long the process might take to build it, but it's going to be a pole type structure from what I understand. So not a very elaborate type of construction project, certainly compared to some that we're seeing in the area. There's much more to the plan, and I would encourage you to read the article, especially if you live in that area, so you can be aware of you know what's coming down the pike. Ultimately, it's hoped that this new facility will, of course, allow the Public Works Department to better serve all the residents of Hellertown, and that is a good thing. I'm sure nobody wants to see open space that they look out at taken away. Unfortunately, the reality sometimes is that the progress that benefits an entire community outweighs the impact to one neighborhood. And we see that many times, not just in Hellertown, but in communities all throughout the area. And I don't believe that anyone on council or within the borough administration ever wanted to, you know, punish anybody that lives in Magnolia Road vicinity. They did look at other alternatives over the years and for various reasons cost typically being the main one, none of them proved practical. So it will be interesting to see what this project looks like once it's finally developed and once Public Works moves into that new building the plan is for the Hellertown Police Department to take over the stables where they are now. So at that point, at least the police will be able to park their vehicles inside a garage and have them protected from the elements. Right now, there is no garage for the Hellertown police vehicles, but that is not in and of itself going to be addressed by this development. There have been discussions over the years about building a new Hellertown police headquarters, but that does not appear to be in the offing at this point. In related news, the Hellertown Planning Commission has a new member. His name is Larry O'Donnell, and he's a resident, of course, of the borough of Hellertown. Larry happens to be the president of the Friends of the Hellertown Area Library, and he recently received a master's degree in public administration from Villanova Larry works in the education field, and I can tell you from knowing him personally that he's very involved in the community of Hellertown. He actively follows the news. Of course, he's a volunteer specifically with the Hellertown Library, the Friends, which is a group that is primarily dedicated to fundraising to help finance improvements to the library. They helped fundraise enough money to put a new roof on the building several years ago. So Larry certainly knows how to get things done. And he spoke at some length about his thoughts regarding development in Hellertown in applying for the Planning Commission vacancy, which is actually one of two. There is still another vacancy on the Planning Commission that needs to be filled. Larry talked about filling storefront vacancies along Main Street in Hellertown. He also spoke about the use of technology as far as planning goes, and specifically in the post-COVID-19 era and how significant a role applications such as Zoom have played in not only planning specifically, but keeping the community informed about plans. We're obviously big fans of that. And he mentioned niche businesses in Hellertown, such as Saucon Valley Bikes, and their capability to attract destination-type visitors to the community. So, for example, somebody who wants to ride bicycle on the Saucon Rail Trail or walk or run on the rail trail might want to stick around Hellertown a little bit and have lunch somewhere or go to a, a store such as Saucon Valley Bikes, but it could be another store, too, or more than one. That's the type of thing that planners should be looking at because you want to sort of cluster businesses, amenities and attractions close together and then market them to people outside the community to draw them in and that helps the local economy in a perfect world, that's how it works. But there's a lot to be said for that as part of the planning process. And I'm not sure how much that has happened in the past. Certainly being a small, smaller borough, Hellertown has not traditionally had the resources to engage in high-level type planning as far as initiatives go and, and making the community more of a destination, such as Bethlehem. But Hellertown is, is on the upswing with lots of development, and so what Larry says or recommended, I think, makes quite a bit of sense. In other business news, we covered an opening, which is at the Promenade Shops at Saucon Valley. European Wax Center, which is a hair removal franchise, is opening a new location in the Promenade Shops in Center Valley. This will be a place to go to get various parts of the body uh, waxed. You can also get skincare services and other beauty related services there. They have services for both men and women. The new store is located next to Sweet and Sassy, and they are having a soft opening on August 17th. After that, they will be open regular hours there's much more information in the story and of course on their website. European Wax Centers have several other locations in the Lehigh Valley, including two in Allentown and one in the eastern area. In Lower Saucon Business News, we covered the opening of not exactly a new business, but sort of a pop-up business within a business. I'm not sure what the term is for that, but that's what it is. It's called after-hours scoops, and it's an ice cream shop within Art Cafe. Art Cafe is an awesome place for breakfast and lunch right on 378 at Black River Road in Lower Saucon Township. We love their food, so we know we're gonna love their ice cream. They have a menu that includes rotating flavors, sundaes, milkshakes, floats, all the usual stuff you would want at an ice cream shop. They are going to be open friday saturday and sunday into october obviously it's sort of getting late in the summer i know the owner of our cafe and takas had originally planned to open this new venture a bit earlier it got delayed but it's still going to be there for a couple of months while well, it's still warm out so i hope everybody will stop by the hours are i believe five till nine on friday and then Saturday, I think, is also five to nine and Sunday is three to nine. Don't quote me on that, but they're open till nine, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and and later in the day. So stop by, look for the big ice cream banner outside. You can't miss it if you're driving down 378. And as I said, it's on it's in the Black River Plaza. It's actually very near Sea Wyco, which is also home to a great food business, Nick's Barbecue. You gotta try it. Nick's, if you haven't been there yet, and the two business owners, Ann and Nick, I think are going to be doing a little cross-promotion, encouraging people to come out, grab some barbecue for dinner, and head over and get some ice cream. That sounds like a really fun night to me, and you can walk back and forth, or you will be able to, between the businesses, so you won't even have to get in the car and drive on to 378 and, you know, just that short distance. You'll actually be able to park in one location and then go to the, the other location. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, it's still hot out. So ice cream is the ticket. Further down the road, down 378 and then down 309 a little bit, you may have noticed that there's been construction going on for quite some time at Passa Road and Route 309. We've written about this project a number of times. It's a new Wawa. That is being built there and they are finally making significant progress on it it seems Wawa officially has the community on notice now that they are opening that store this fall so that's pretty soon they're gonna have to be going gangbusters in order to finish it by the fall but like I said they have been picking up the pace there and the improvements at that intersection are continuing there have been Various road closures and cones up to widen the intersection and add turning lanes Which are going to be needed for the new Wawa Wawa is going to be joined on that site by a McDonald's The McDonald's is not yet under construction So I'm thinking that probably won't open until sometime in 2022 But of course we'll be following that story as well this will be, of course, a large Wawa with numerous gas pumps. It will become one of the closest Wawa's to Hellertown when it opens. However, there's still no Wawa immediately in the Hellertown area. There are plans for a Wawa on 412 between 78 and the Wind Creek Casino in Bethlehem. That has been approved for the site of the former Chris's Diner right by Saucon Park. No announcements yet on when that is going to commence building, but we're keeping an eye on on that and many other projects that are in the works. Finally, this week, we have coverage of an open house that was held at the Hellertown Borough Authority headquarters last week. The Hellertown Borough Authority, of course, is the provider of public water and sewer services to the borough of Hellertown its residents and its businesses. And they do a great job. They are um, really making an effort to bring the community in a bit more and engage with them, which I think is fantastic. That's really what organizations and good local government do. Many people are either intimidated maybe, or don't have the knowledge base to try and engage with a large body, you know, a governmental institution on their own. So it's nice to see the borough authority taking the lead on that. And they were doing it with this open house where they had, of course, information about the services they provide. They had Dewey, the Lehigh Valley water supplier's mascot there. Dewey is like a big drop of water, basically, (laughs) sort of shaped like a Hershey's kiss, but blue, if you can picture that. It looked like a lot of fun. We have pictures of that event by Chris Christian. Chris, incidentally, is a member of the Hellertown Borough Authority board and very committed to all of the great work that the authority does. Recently, we also had a story about Alfred Fritchman Reservoir Park, which is owned by the Borough Authority and a very cool place to visit. They have a pavilion there that they have been renovating and you can rent that for special events. If you Google Borough Authority Reservoir Park, you'll find our story, which has a lot more information in it about the park, its history and what the future plans for it are. So I would encourage you to do that. And that is our news roundup for this week. I hope everybody had a great week last week and we'll see you next week. Here at and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community. And it also helps fund our future growth. Sock & Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website website sockensource.com. You can do that by clicking on Join under My Sock and Source, which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options, including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week on No Rain Date to welcome three special people from a wonderful nonprofit that's been in operation in the Lehigh Valley for decades now Habitat for Humanity. They are Allie Ingram, Director of Marketing and Resource Development, Gina Lacona, Community Engagement and Grants Manager, and Brenda Strozky, Program Director. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks Thanks for you for having us. us. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to have you here. As I was saying before we started recording, I've been a big fan of Habitats since as long as I can remember, which is probably over 30 years. I can remember being a kid and seeing some of the, the projects in South Bethlehem going up. And I thought it was such a, at the time, it seemed like a revolutionary idea kind of. And, and now it's it's everywhere really. It's it's gotten a lot bigger, which is awesome. I wanted to start off by starting at the beginning and and asking you to tell us a little bit about the history of Habitat and then specifically Habitat in the Lehigh Valley. Sure.
1: So, um, Habitat actually started Habitat International started in 1976 in America's Georgia. And one of the common misconceptions of Habitat is that it was actually started and founded by former president Jimmy Carter Right, that makes and, sense. and most most people think that and it was not it was started by a family uh, the Fuller family they went to uh, they went on a mission trip to Africa and came back with the idea to start Habitat so humble homes humble affordable homes for low-income families and on a farm called Koinonia Farms that's really where Habitat started hmm. and from there It grew into many countries over the last four or five decades. And now in the Lehigh Valley, we've been here since 1989. And we recently just finished our 125th home hmm. here in the Valley, as well as our restore has been in operation for over seven years now. Wow. Yeah, so we definitely, surprisingly to a lot of people, we've been here for quite a long time, but we've been blessed to be able to work with many families local.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I didn't realize exactly how long it had been, but that's that's awesome. And, and 125 homes is a great milestone. And... Certainly the restore, I'm a big fan of that. I wanna talk a little bit more about that later, but for those who don't know, that's located on Grape Street in yep. Whitehall. Correct. Right. Used to be the circuit city, it I did, think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm dating myself. But it's a great place to find all kinds of items for your home and support habitat at the same time.
1: Absolutely. It's an incredible store. You never know what you're gonna find there.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I wanna I wanna get over there one of these days again. Well, you just answered one of my other questions, which was how many homes have you built? How does the process work as far as building a home? You obviously have to locate you know, a site and acquire land, and then there's planning, and I'm sure this all takes time and a lot of people and a lot of logistics.
2: Yeah, so we do have a property committee that get together to find a lot where we can build The goal is to try to help as many families as we can. So we want to buy an affordable lot for us because we are a nonprofit, but also be able to build as much homes there as we can. So that's normally what we try to look for. Right now, currently we have an eight home project in Tacoma Street in Allentown and they're twin homes. So four twin homes, well, eight twin homes. And yeah, so that's how we acquire the properties and the homes that we have available is the homes that we offer to the families.
0: Are you typically building like twins or townhomes because they're more economical or
2: yes yes we built twin homes and it's affordable but it also gives a sense of i would say getting out of the apartment lifestyle and it's just a single we used to build single family homes with a garage but now with as the years go by it's becoming more unaffordable with the taxes rising so twin homes is a bit more affordable but still have that sense of privacy that people are looking for and it just it feels like the families would like that
0: better right right well if you're gonna go through all that you want to have the feeling of a of a home at the end and and certainly yeah a twin is gonna give you that you mentioned Allentown and and we talked about Bethlehem what are some of the other communities or are there other communities in the Lehigh Valley where you have built or are building homes
2: we are currently working in Allentown Bethlehem and Easton so we have a twin home in Easton avail- available. At it. it is a two bedroom, one bath. In Bethlehem, we have two homes. It is a twin home, a three bedroom, a 1.5 bath. In Allentown, we have the eight home project. All of them are three bedroom, 1.5. Our minimum is usually three bedroom. The one in Easton is a little bit of a rare case. It was a good deal that we had on that property. And it's perfect for a single person or a single parent or with one child. But normally, our minimum is three bedroom.
3: What's so unique about our building process is, I think, uh, whether you're staff, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a donor, an advocate, a supporter, is seeing, you know, the very first hole dug in the ground, all the way to giving our families their key Mm -hmm. uh, to open their front door and to, to open the front door to their future. And that's what we're really about. So sometimes we tend to forget just the sheer number of people involved from city planners to local government and excavators and subcontractors and construction staff and volunteers and the marketing team and our restore staff. And, you know, it's not just one department, it's not just one person, it is an organization-wide effort, but it's really a community effort too, from, you know, city hall all the way to, you know, the landscaper who comes out and, and beautifies the property for a family to move in. It's, it's a very special and unique style of of building a community
0: right
1: the beauty of of having multiple homes on a site is that the families actually get to work together and build their home their neighbor's home and they really become family through this process so right now you know having eight homes in allentown all of those eight families over the span of a couple of years truly become more than neighbors they they are family they get to know the children you know they they'll have cookouts together you know mm-hmm. they watch each other's children they help each other you know when needed and they become not only family with each other but with our volunteers and our staff. It's an incredible program it's a, and it's a great thing to see.
2: It's a great sense of community to right? mm-hmm. cut you off. It's so funny, especially on Tacoma Street, the families we have there, they are such a cute girl group hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's adorable to see them interact with each other. When they're we try to give them some as many options as we can, like cabinet colors, carpeting, flooring, what kind they would like. And they were helping each other out, like saying like no girl, like this is what you want. <laughs> so it was really great. Um, but yeah, just like Allie said, they go through the program together. They understand how it works. They help each other out because it can be tough going through the program when you have to do the sweat equity hours and you're doing a job. And you know some people are even going to school full time. So that's three things they have to think about. You know, the older kids will watch the other kids. And it's nice to know who your neighbors are. Mm-hmm. You know, you get close. It's not somebody random that, that is your neighbor. You feel comfortable with them. We do do background checks on our homeowners, so you feel safe knowing who's going to be living next door to you
0: right right i would imagine too that you know i i would hope that the the established neighborhood is supportive because you are building these homes in established neighborhoods Mm -hmm. it's not just like out in a cornfield or something Mm -hmm. and you want them to blend you know and i'm sure the city wants that too architecturally Mm -hmm. and, and socially is there anything you do that helps with that
1: so depending on the area that we build in for example if we're doing a a full rehab in in center city allentown there are historical guidelines that we have to Mm. abide by on Mm. the exterior of the house and we have some incredible volunteers that do unbelievable woodwork that have made you know 11 foot tall custom doors because we didn't want to put in we had to we had to stay within the City of Allentown historical guidelines. So we didn't want to put in a, a regular door and, and build it out. So they custom made these doors exactly mm. like the original ones and they're, they're stunning. Um, oh, those ones
3: with the stain, we've stayed, their stained glass at the top. They're, they're an arch, yeah, yeah, it's it's an, an it's an arch they store. They did all that themselves. Yeah, wow.
1: um, they do a lot of the exterior finishes and they, they build it right in our woodworking shop in our Allentown office. These guys are true craftsmen, and these are our volunteers that put in hundreds and thousands of hours. So yes, based on the neighborhood, you know, we we try to keep it within all of those guidelines. But if it's a new build, you know, we generally, we have to work with the city and, and get approval with the city. But we try to keep them, obviously, all within the same neutral color tone. Mm-hmm. But our guys do a beautiful job of, of creating some really nice
0: finishes for the families. Now, now you mentioned the the craftsman who built that door I'm curious is that somebody who's like a retired yeah. professional woodworker Absolutely okay. so we
1: well we have we have volunteers who are you know, they're retired contractors. We have volunteers who are woodworkers, many of them who either do it as like a passion project or, you know, they've taught it in school. We have a former woodworking teacher. You know, we have volunteers out there that are former teachers or business owners, you name it. Some volunteers, they come to us with no skill at all and they learn as they go and they've been there for thousands of hours. And some come with 30, 40 years of experience, and that's really the great thing about joining the Habitat team as a volunteer. There's no experience necessary, but there's lots of hands out there to help guide you along and teach you some of those necessary skills that you may need. And for some of these volunteers that are out there, you know, they may have started with zero skills whatsoever, and now they can build a house from scratch and do an incredible job.
0: So that's great to know for our listeners, because it means like if you don't have a skill set or career in building behind you, you can still help. You don't have to be intimidated.
3: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, to to reiterate a lot of what Allie said, the most mind-blowing aspect of our organization. And I mean, probably because it's part of my job, but I get to brag about our volunteers all the time and our core volunteers on the construction site and our Blue Crew at the ReStore, a lot of retired people, but they're so just completely selfless, completely dedicated to the mission. They are so determined to help others. And and I really think that it is a group of men and women that take kind of an intangible concept of, of love and they put it into action every day in order to love others and to serve others. And whether it be custom craftsmanship on on doors or touch-up paint, they're involved in every aspect. We do. We have engineers, we have chemists, we have former postal workers and craftsmen and, you know, men, women. And I think what's been really beautiful is seeing these experienced volunteers who have over 5,000 hours Hmm. as the requirement to be a core or Blue Crew member, particularly over the past year, Um, as we've dealt with the pandemic, is seeing these older experienced volunteers embrace new blood, embrace these new volunteers who wanna get out and serve their communities and and realize that the the world is so much more than ourselves and seeing them take new volunteers under their wing and show them the ropes has been just phenomenal. There was um, a picture
1: that went viral a couple years ago of President Jimmy Carter that he was actually, I believe, in Canada at the time, he actually had a black eye, and he had fainted on sight and hit his head, and he went to the hospital, and he was out the next day, and it was hot, Mm. and it was hard work. He was in his 90s, and it really didn't matter, but that right there, that picture, is the true essence of all of our volunteers, our core volunteers and our blue crew, and the passion they have for our mission. They are out there day in, day out, it doesn't matter how hot it is, if it's raining, if it's snowing. Perfect example, the pandemic. We didn't know what was going to happen with our volunteer groups. And and a lot of them, you know, they're 60s, 70s in that high risk group for, for COVID. Mm-hmm. And when we reopened the job sites in May of 2020, we didn't know if we'd have any of them back. And the first day that we opened, we had over 20 volunteers mm-hmm. on site masks
3: on, ready to work. Nothing was going to stop them. You wow. Know, throughout the summer, throughout the fall, I mean, they really do work out there. You snow, sleet, hail, heat. They're super dedicated. It's amazing to see the, the quality of their character. This is a generation of, of men and women who believe in the value of hard work, but certainly believe in the value of helping others, and to whom much has been given, much, uh, much is asked. And they absolutely put that into action every day they're out
0: on site yeah and and i think jimmy carter really does embody that kind of work ethic Mm -hmm. so
1: there's actually a funny story about um (laughs) so there's quite a few famous folks that volunteer for habitat and one of them is is garth brooks and his wife trisha yearwood and usually in Georgia, once a year, they used to do a, a big build, where they would do a blitz build and do multiple houses at once. And Jimmy Carter and his wife Rosalind, they're they always on site in their building. Well, Garth Brooks was there. And Garth Brooks was on the main floor. And Jimmy Carter was upstairs, you know, hammering away. and. Garth Brooks was on the main floor talking to some some volunteers and they were talking about you know music and whatnot and then Jimmy Carter actually came up to Garth Brooks and said son are you looking for something to do (laughs) and you know Garth Brooks says when when Jimmy Carter asks you if you're looking for something to do you do something (laughs) you know he said this this man in his 90s and this he you know he is unbelievable I guess the best version of, of, you know, what we could, who we could be as, as, as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. He really
3: is an incredible person, him and his wife. Yeah. We see that in our volunteers every day. Every day. day. They're unbelievable. Like I I could talk about them for hours. I really could. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and we hear so much too about, you know, a decline in volunteering. And I think partly that's, some of that's generational. And obviously, if you are in middle age and you're taking care of your parents and you're taking care of your kids and working, it's difficult to find the time. But do you, do you feel like you are getting a steady supply of younger volunteers coming in?
3: Yes and no. It's been... I've seen a change over the course of, of my past year with Habitat. It is absolutely generational. The love of volunteering and the value of serving others starts in the home. And if that's not being started in the home, then it's not something that necessarily intrinsically occurs to a younger generation unless they witnessed it firsthand from their parents, from their grandparents. However, I've noticed that just given the nature of the world, how things are playing out, a pandemic, seeing people truly in need, we are seeing some older high school students a lot of college groups are coming out particularly for team builders once we get them with the habitat magic then they come back it's it's getting them the first time that can be challenging 100% as far as engaging younger volunteers but once we get them we have them you know driving is a big factor they need to have their licenses certainly just the accessibility of their schedules and and you know being able to drive themselves their school schedules high school and college are incredibly high pressure worlds very demanding, you know. People are still working, so the majority of our core volunteers are retired and have that time, have the the time they can share with others. But we are seeing a bit of an uptick. I, I hope it continues with
0: younger people. Well, yeah, you mentioned colleges. I mean, we have tons mm-hmm. of colleges around here. Yes. fraternities. You know, mm-hmm. they do service projects.
3: Yes, they've come out mm-hmm. on site. We've had groups from Lehigh, Moravian. And a lot of um, the, the schools
1: around here do have Habitat clubs. groups close oh, okay. clubs, yes, yes. yes absolutely. Emmaus High
3: School sense. has been out several times. You know, we've had a couple of kids from Allentown Central Catholic has been, have been out at the ReStore. We've worked with, you know, as many schools as we can. We want that to start early, you know, that sense of empathy, that sense of giving back to one's community. And it needs to start at a younger age, and we hope we can provide that avenue for them.
0: Right. Right, well that kind of leads me into my next topic, which is the fact that, you know, the housing market right now is really challenging. I don't think it's a stretch to say that there's an affordable housing crisis in places like the Lehigh Valley in particular. It's a seller's market, prices are extremely high. How is that impacting the demand for one thing, for for Habitat houses? And then I want to also talk about know, how eligibility is determined and, you know, how you get on the list, so to speak. Can you to necessarily talk about the eligibility part first, Brenda?
2: Sure. We do have a couple guidelines to be approved for the program. We do have some income guidelines based off the area to medium income. It's based off the HUD guidelines. We range from 35% AMI to 80% AMI, and you, they have to fall within those annual guidelines. We also take a look at their credit scores. It has to be 600 and above. Um, we take a look at their debt to income. It cannot be 43% over their monthly income. Also, cost of housing cannot be 30% over their monthly income. So we'll do like an average of what we think a Habitat mortgage would cost in a certain area and see if on top, you know, they would be able to afford a Habitat mortgage. Also, on top of their debt, would they be able to afford a Habitat mortgage? So it's still a mortgage. It's a zero-interest mortgage, but it's an affordable mortgage. mm mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And by offering that 0% interest mortgage, as you know, interest rates and mortgages, I mean, they they add up over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So the point of that is to take that extra interest payment that you would be making a month. And that goes to those general, you know, those everyday necessities, food, clothing, they can invest in education, health care and really give them, you know, more of that stable foundation mm-hmm. and allow them to even, you know, save some money for the future. That's so easy. it's a really great program and every mortgage payment that they make comes back to Habitat, our local Habitat and goes back to building more homes. So it's a cycle where, you know, the money's not going into a bank and filling pockets up. It's going back into building more Habitat homes. So it's just a really great program that is sustainable and encourages, you know, you know growth within our community and, and enables us to build more homes in the future for families that um, are in need in our, in our area.
2: It's great to think that your mortgage payment is helping someone else. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. That, that's really cool. And I didn't know that that's mm-hmm. how that works. But, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, I mean, you don't want to hold on to that money because mm-hmm. that can help how many more people? Absolutely.
3: It's one of the two things that are really kind of beautifully cyclical about Habitat Lehigh Valley is that the the mortgage payments then are back into the program and then we build more houses, but also the profits at the restore, the revenue generated there goes right back into the home building program and our home ownership program for more houses and more families to be served. Right. And I will
2: just say... So one of the questions on the application is what is your current rent payment? And the rent that I see is mm-hmm. astronomical. It's like how are you affording this? This isn't even including your utility, it's not including your cable bill, your phone bill. How how can this you know, I and I can see like why people are behind on their certain payments and we do have a credit contingency program as well so we do have that 600 credit score minimum however if you're between the 550 and 600 you can be approved contingent that within the year you're in the program you raise your credit score so that gives them time to work on their credit because we've had seen people you know a bit behind in their credit trying to build it up and you know it, it happens so we want to be able to have those people apply to our program as well it is a case-by-case case basis it have, we have to see through their bank statements through their credit report that they are clearly working on their credit but that's a great thing that was added to the program because it's just it's insane exactly i do definitely agree it is definitely a housing crisis i would think that the average amount for rent is 1300 for a one bedroom
1: anybody afford afford that you know in allentown right now for one bedroom it's 1389 dollars for a one bedroom so imagine you know having a one or two bedroom and you're a single income family potentially a single parent family with two children how do you make ends meet a majority of families are spending in the lehigh valley i believe it's over two out of every seven families are spending more than okay. 50% of their income on rent. And you should be spending no right. more than 30%. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about those necessities, like food, clothing, medical insurance, you're forcing them to choose between those essentials, those de- between food and you're keeping a fall roof behind over on their head. Else. You're going to fall behind on something else. And how does a family like that you know, ever try to get into the housing market? How do you save up for a down payment on a house when there's never anything left at the end of the month? You know, some of these families are working two jobs and, and raising their children. And, and how do you ever get out of that cycle? And doing
0: side hustles. Absolutely. And Uber. And, yeah. you know, like-
1: Just to make ends meet. Nothing else extra. So that's where our program really shines because, you know, in terms of a down payment, we don't have a down payment. But what we do require is for every adult that's on the deed of the home, they have to put in 250 sweat equity hours. So that's them building their house. They're building their neighbor's house they're working at the restore at our office and getting those you know critical construction skills learning how to repair their house if they ever need to so that's a commitment that they make to the program and that is really what we call you know it's it's a hand up not a handout and that really you know allows some of our families that are constantly just treading water to to really get into being able to own a home in the future and provide a solid Foundation
3: and stable future for their families. When we look at our families, I think a, a common misconception and why we utilize the phrase a hand up, a not a handout, is that these aren't hardworking people. They're tremendously hardworking mm-hmm. and they are working two jobs and they're going to school and they're making unbelievable sacrifices to provide for their family, but they're hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And Habitat for Humanity really comes in and helps them break down those roadblocks and helps them build that path with the stability of a reliable future. And um, I have to, you know, talk about my own, my own mother, a bit. had Habitat Lehigh Valley existed when I was a kid with a single mom, she would have qualified for the program and she was a teacher she worked as uh, an organist for a church and then also uh, a synagogue and she was a host hostess at a local restaurant which which <laughs> no longer exists the village inn for for less than 2 oh, so, a that real place. blast from the past yeah. <laughs> and and we were very lucky my my two sisters and myself we we didn't know you know the sacrifices she was making necessarily we didn't question you know why do we have not have this or other kids have this? or it, w- it was never like that. But it was because the sacrifices she made. And and I like to think that's a lot of motivation behind what I do with Habitat is I, I know she would have qualified. And I see that in our homeowners now. I see those same things. Uh, in 2019 and 2020, over 75% of our homeowners were single moms. Hmm. And they are just crushing it you know they're slamming out their sweat equity hours they're providing for their kids we have you know one mom now that she's in her home she got a promotion she went back to school she got her degree you know her kids have you know thriving school careers and we just see these homes as you know you, you don't think about it in the bigger picture but they're such a, a significant building block transformative it, becomes, it is it's it's a completely transformative program and an organization. And and to see these families like the day they turn the key and they they're at their dedication, it just it's like such a weight has been lifted. Like just all the burden of constantly having a setback right. is gone, and to know that they can just start fresh that's tremendous.
1: You know, we talk about you know a roof over your head, and we always say it's way more than a roof over your head. It's this unbelievable ripple effect. That you can't even see as far down as you look you can't you can't see the effect that it has on people and one of the stories that really hits home for us is we have a a longtime core volunteer and she's been volunteering with us for almost 30 years she's like 82 or something Mm -hmm. and she would come out on site every day and in the last couple of years unfortunately she's she's been quite sick she had to go in for surgery and when she was in the operating room, she was with the nurses and she was telling them, I'm a Habitat volunteer. And she said, they, they got all excited and they said, wait till we tell your, the doctor. And when the doctor came into the room, the nurses said, hey, you know, we gotta make sure that we treat her extra special because she's a Habitat volunteer. And the doctor said, I'm a Habitat kid. So no. when you talk about a full circle moment, yeah, I mean, and he we grew do, up. He, he grew
3: up in a house yeah. that she had worked on. Oh my!
1: And God. we like get that one, that we get those me. like full body chills every mm-hmm. time. I've 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 told that story a hundred times, times, and I still like fight back tears every time because you you think that house provided educational opportunities, a strong foundation for him, and not only for him, but then. Put that out into that ripple effect that we talk about. How many lives has he saved? You know, how many mothers and daughters and fathers has he saved and made a difference in their lives? Because, potentially because he had that stable home. And that's just one story that, you know, that we have. I mean, recently we had this year four teenagers, seniors graduate on one of our streets this year alone. And I mean, it really is a, a program that, It's so much more than a roof over your head. It provides food stability. It provides educational opportunities. You know, we talk about healthy homes, our healthy families. When it comes down to it, you know, our volunteers and our staff and everybody involved, like we were talking about before from the ground up, really is a key part of that ripple effect and integral in what we do. In, in an and mission. you probably
0: can't even put a price on how it's positively influencing the kids To oh. be able to see, you know, their role model, their primary role model Finally own their own I, home
1: I will tell oh. you what, we talk about habitat <laughs> moments And I, like, uh, even thinking about it But my my first habitat moment where it was just like a, a smack in the face And I cry every time But it was my first home dedication And the home dedication is when the family gets their home Part of it is it's a celebration. Everybody that's involved in building the home, the volunteers, the board members, the sponsors, everybody gets invited. The family traditionally actually cooks a meal Mm -hmm. for everybody. And this was the first family ever got to work with. And they had a 17 year old son and a 12 year old son. And the parents spoke very little English. So the sons actually had to translate for them and they got up and they were thanking everybody, incredibly hard workers, and the 12-year-old son cried the entire time he was up there because he was so proud of his parents. He finally got his own bedroom and when I walked upstairs he was just sitting there and he was looking up and smiling. It was an empty room and he was looking up and smiling and he said, come here, I wanna show you. And he said, this is my closet. And he showed me how the door opened. This is my window. This is my light switch. And that every single Habitat child will flick the light switch. This is my light switch. This is how it works. And it's the simplest things but that we take for granted that to them, I mean, it's the biggest gift and it's life changing for them and life changing for us. It really Truly. is to be a part of that is, I mean, you can't really put it in into words to be a part of that in any way, whether you're helping to build the house, whether you're volunteering in the office, writing letters, whether you're working at the restore, any way that you can be a part of you know, getting involved with Habitat, you're making an incredible
3: difference in these families' lives. Brenda's so lucky. She gets to work so closely with our families as the the program director. And she'll get excited and she'll tell us about them and then we get excited. And then, you know, we go about our work and we, we move on to the next thing. But then when we meet them and we see these kids come in with mom or dad or both, and we say, like, are you excited for mom and dad to get a new home or to mom for mom to get a new house? And their eyes just, they light up. It's unbelievable. We had one like a week ago and I drove home like I was crying and you know, it was like a Wednesday. It was no big <laughs> deal. Whatevs. And I'm just crying because this these kids were so excited. We had a, a family, we were checking in with them for a fundraising project when we were talking to the son as part of an interview and I said, what's the, your favorite part about your home? You've been in there for a couple of years now. And he was like, I love my pantry. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> and I, I don't know if this was, you know, playing hide and go seek with his sister. But, and he talked about like all the food that's in there. He's like, I just love my pantry. <laughs> so again, you know, like Ali had mentioned simple things that, you know, the, the upper third of the upper third of the world never thinks about. And to, to be at Habitat to get those uh, pieces of perspective every day is
0: remarkable. Yeah, or maybe he's the next Gordon Ramsay or something. Seriously,
3: yeah. seriously.
1: And when we, I mean, when we talk oh, no, when we talk sense. about you, you don't know. We mm-hmm. could have you know the next pre- or you know a future president of the United, the, mm-hmm. the United States. You know, living in one of our ha- Habitat homes right now. You know, we could have a Nobel Prize winner, teachers, scientists, you name it. Right. I well, mean, the kid,
0: I mean, it all is logical because, you know, when you have your own room, you can sleep better, you can do, you can study better, you're going to do better in school then.
3: It's, it's huge, the the statistics that speak to the importance of stable housing and a secure home environment for children's success academically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, everything. You know, in past life, in a former job, We were always taught that a child can't bloom, you know, all these hierarchies of education and all the skills they need to acquire until they, you know, until they Maslow. So a kid doesn't care about his test scores if he's hungry. Mm -hmm. A kid doesn't care about what he's doing on, you know, the basketball court or in band practice if that kid is wondering where to lay their head at night. And we're, we hope every day that we're part of that solution. So that they can thrive and they can grow and they can learn without the stress of wondering if mom and dad are gonna be evicted and, and lose their apartment.
0: You bring up a good point with that too. I mean, there has been an eviction moratorium yes. in place because of the pandemic, and obviously that has sort of held off a lot of bad things, but sooner or later that's gonna end. It's ending. You know that's that's got to be stressful for a lot of families mm-hmm. right now you can only build so many homes I mean, you can't you couldn't even possibly begin to meet the demand you know it's it just seems like such a vast problem and then it's overwhelming
1: mm-hmm. it really is. It is and and i think when when people think about habitat and you know often we we say low-income families in reality it's more yeah. it's much more than low income families. These are everyday families. I mean, their parents are teachers. They could be nurses and qualify. I mean these are yeah. your neighbors. We have these are makers, yeah, constru- we have nurses, we have yeah. these are everyday families that are your neighbors that qualify for this program. And it's because the cost of living has skyrocketed. This program is needed across the country and, you know, it's critical, certainly in our area. And I mean without it you will see homeless rates start to rise. There's no doubt. And like Gina said, you know, the moratorium on evictions, it is it's a band aid. But sooner than later that's going to end and, you know, we're gonna see an increase in in homelessness because the evictions will happen. Or
0: people are going to leave the Lehigh Valley. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean for a time this was affordable so people from further east were moving here because it was more affordable compared mm-hmm. to New York and New Jersey. Yeah. Well, people are going to be migrating from here to I don't know where. But where
1: where do you go? Like, And that's the thing. Where How far do you, do you, you, do you push out? And I mean, we, we see in the Lehigh Valley, there's job opportunities here. You see signs everywhere you go but where do they live?
2: We actually just created a new rule. Our old rule was you have to have lived in the Lehigh Valley or live in the Lehigh Valley for at least a year to be qualified or apply for a program. And because we've seen that people can't afford to live here but work here because there's so many employment opportunities, they live out like an hour away in Monroe County or so. Mm -hmm. We actually changed it to work for a year or live here for a year because we believe you should be near your employment you should live in this Mm -hmm. area that you're working in it's just unaffordable i even what you said before choosing what bill i've actually had someone say that to me because what i do during applications i call people say reasonings why they're behind on certain things to see what i'm working with and the applicant said i had to choose i Mm had to choose whether this or this and she they were just honest about it so
3: one of the things that's growing more and more apparent is residents of of Allentown, particularly more impoverished areas, just because of the cost of the world right now, the cost of living, the cost of a post-pandemic world as far as uh, construction materials, is repairs. We've been very fortunate recently to uh, partner with St. Luke's in Allentown and and re- invigorate, I guess I'll say, our repair program, because it's not only about building new homes, but helping people age in place and helping people address those critical repairs. So that's become a very large part of our organization as well. Brenda does like everything with that um, <laughs> with our repair program manager. And uh, we're seeing there's a great, great need there
0: as oh well. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, we have very old housing stock mm-hmm. in the yes. Lehigh Valley. Absolutely. Yeah. As somebody who's been helping somebody trying to find a house I mean some of the houses I've seen are just unbelievable mm -hmm. not in a good way Mm -hmm and yeah i can understand why the contractors are so busy uh, these days what about like actual supplies did you have any problems getting supplies because of covid yeah i mean we've seen massive delays just like everybody
1: else on anything from appliances to windows building supplies obviously lumber has skyrocketed in price lumber and then plywood so that's definitely exponentially increase
3: the cost of, of building homes. I was with a construction manager uh, maybe two three weeks ago to to meet a donor for a specific kind of bundle of lumber for one of our homes and I looked at the price and it was like $10.26 for an 8 foot 2 by 4 hmm. now I know nothing about that to me I was like okay it's not my money whatever um, but then the rest of our, our staff explained to me they were like well a year ago that was like six bucks hmm. at most. So to see to see it actually in place, to see what Well there
1: was times I mean even a year and a half ago that was about two or three dollars. Yeah. So I mean crazy the, it the is. percent hikes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean we are certainly feeling that
0: crunch, and I heard about the appliances. And mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you can't really move into a house without appliances. So,
1: and we actually have a really wonderful in-kind donation program through Habitat International. So there's some companies that specifically donate certain products to our home. So Valspar, they actually donate all the paint. Whirlpool, they donate uh, the refrigerator and the stove mm. and the microwave, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we have some of these really great companies that and Dow they donate some of the insulation.
0: But they've been but
1: backlogged. again they've been they've been backlogged, so a lot of it has to do with getting specific parts for appliances and this all has to do with the pandemic. So just like everybody else, you know, we're we're seeing and feeling and feeling yeah. that. We're seeing the delays certainly and, and definitely the, the crunch in, in numbers due to the increase in costs.
0: I want to touch or go back to the restore a little bit. What kinds of items, I know it's a wide variety that you take, and how do people get them there? If it's like a large item, can you go online and fill out a form? We
1: can, yeah. So we can actually, you can actually donate right at the restore if it's something small or you want to load up your car or your truck. You can donate Tuesday through Saturday between the hours of 10 and 4, right at the ReStore. It's 1053 Grape Street in Whitehall. Like you said, it's the old Circuit City building. You see the big blue tower. But let's say you have larger items that you'd like picked up. You can do that two ways. You can actually email donate stuff at habitatlv.org or you can visit our website which is habitatlv.org and you can actually do an online submission and book your donation online yourself. So you can self-schedule or certainly just call the restore. So a lot of families, they'll have furniture, items, tools. We joke around, we say it's everything from toilets to teacups at the ReStore, but you name it. Building supplies are, are huge there. Appliances, furniture, lawn and garden equipment, tile. We also have a really cool program. It's a latex paint recycling program where we actually do latex paint recycling events. So the paint can only be donated during an event but you can bring your old latex paint it has to meet certain requirements 10 years old or newer no mold not separating and it's latex paint only and we actually recycle that paint and create new paint for it mm. which is really great it's the paint's called recolor it's a high quality paint we do chalk finish interior and exterior
3: is that the only program in-
1: It is, it's actually the only recycling program in the Lehigh Valley or anywhere near us, uh, quite frankly. And it's been an incredible program for the Lehigh Valley. We've recycled well over 8,000 gallons of paint. And by doing that, we're taking a product that typically people either dump down the drains or they pour kitty litter into and they (laughs) throw it in the landfill. Well, we're able to actually take it we were able to recycle it and create a new fundraising opportunity for Habitat out of technically a throwaway product, which is really cool. I was writing cool. that down
0: feverishly because I have some like <laughs> yeah. nine and a half year old cans of food. Yeah, and there. And, a lot of people, you know, yeah, and you know,
1: like that's 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 one thing. I mean, Over the last year, you know, a lot of last year and a half, people spent a ton of time in their houses. What did they do? They painted, right? And they have a half gallon kicking around or they bought a new house and the previous owners left them a basement full of paint. So there's certainly an opportunity to recycle that if it's latex based. Um, Like I said, it cannot be just taken any day to the Restore. It has to be during one of our monthly latex paint recycling events. So feel free to call the Restore and we can get you those, those days.
3: The whole restore is just completely economically friendly, which I think a lot of people don't know. Just the sheer number of donations creates to how much has been kept out of landfills. I think there was some like crazy statistic about a number of tons, pretty high up. Because when you you donate, yes, the the revenue from the restore recycles back into the program. <laughs> recycles, no <my> pun intended. <laughs> um, however, but also recycling and donating your your home goods and. Like, the coolest stuff comes in there. Last year, we had an Andy Warhol, like, a reprint. Hmm. So, not an original, but still of significant value. And it was, like, in the donation center. Yeah. And, I mean, we
1: we, <laughs> we see the, the wildest things stuff. that come in there. We actually had Lily Tomlin's um, backstage rolling Broadway cart that was donated by someone local. Yeah, it was a... One uh, of a kind. A one of yes. a kind. I mean... Artwork we have antiques we have brand new products. We get truckload don- truckloads of brand new products donated from furniture to home decor to lamps to tile Toilets you you name it. Magic we have choppers. yeah magic choppers um, <laughs> you know you can go in that store every day five times a day and not see everything and you know we come back in the afternoon after being there in the morning and it's completely different so maybe you come in and you're looking for something specific and you don't see it come back again because you never ever know what you're going to find
0: and and just be be mindful i mean one of my pet peeves is just seeing the things that people throw out the perfectly good furniture you're just redecorating you know there's nothing wrong with it please
3: donate. donate what a great
1: thing to do instead of throwing it in the landfill if it's a good reuse product help families build homes and futures and you know for them and their children who thought like an end table or a doorknob or a light fixture that you took down from you know your grandmother's dining room table who thought that that really could impact local families lives and all of that matters you know and it's a really great way not only to support our mission but to keep stuff out of the landfills and um, which are
0: maxing which out. are
1: maxing
3: out supporting local too is, is so huge with us mm-hmm. you know we support local because we build local and we want our local community our small businesses to thrive um, and a great thing about the restore is it's it's not just low to mid income families shopping there everyone can shop there no matter their socioeconomic status or, or preferences or whatever it is a place for truly everyone. Um, all sorts of interests and design styles and you might great. be a, a landlord,
1: you might be a DIYer, you know you could be an artist, contractor you know, contractors you name it. you'll find everybody there.
0: Now is that concept unique to the Lehigh Valley or do you have restores? It's in not. Other actually,
1: the the restore started in Canada. I think let's see what the year I can't remember what year it was, so maybe just cut that out. But the restore <laughs> <laughs> a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, okay. a few years ago. The restore, yeah, it started up in Canada. We have over a thousand restores now throughout Canada and the United States. And each affiliate, so in, in our in our local districts so of Lehigh Valley we run our restore independently. So each affiliate runs their restore differently. So every location that you go to, they may have different regulations on what they can accept. Depending on, you know, let's say you're in Houston, they may accept one thing when Seattle accepts something totally different. So each restore is is different and unique and, and just like the donations they get, you never know what you're gonna
0: find. And I wanted to mention, too, that I know in the past you've had something called a Stuff the Truck event.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we still do that. And actually here in Saucon Valley, specifically in Hellertown, we've done three Stuff the Trucks here where we tend to go to a location with our restore truck for the day. And we encourage everybody in the community to come out and bring their stuff. To the truck so we tried to do it locally we've taken a little pause with that over covid we're just getting it ramped up again so like i said we've we've definitely done a few of them in hellertown we'll work with different communities businesses often will have us out we've been to a few banks sometimes larger companies they'll do large drives like olympus occasionally they'll do a big donation event Well, they'll have out multiple organizations so we try to make it as accessible as possible for everybody
0: i'm glad to hear you're going to be coming back with those because in hellertown i know they were often timed with like the big community yard sale yep so it was perfect timing because if people had items that they couldn't sell or didn't sell then they could just bring them to the truck absolutely and and and,
1: and every year in hellertown we stuffed the truck We, (laughs) we actually had to um we had some volunteers we actually had to fill our vehicles, in addition to our large box truck because everybody here was so generous know, during the stuff that they truck. So we, we appreciate it. We can't wait to come back next year. I think it's the first Saturday in June, yes. correct? Yes. Yep, yep, yep.
0: yep. And we'll, uh, we'll, we're always part of that. We always help uh, yes, promote it you and do. everything. Why? Thank you. So, we appreciate it. Yeah. Another event, and I think this was the one that kind of got me thinking about having you guys on the podcast, is the... She Nailed It event?
1: Yeah. So yes. we are really, really excited. And we're definitely ready to announce it. And it's a perfect spot to announce it. So She Nailed It is our signature fundraising event. And what it is, it's a female-only nail-hammering competition. <laughs> and you think nail-hammering competition? It eh, doesn't sound too exciting. It is wild. It is intense.
3: <laughs> These women are The competition <laughs> is
1: fierce. And they practice for months. And... I will tell you, the winning team this year at She Nailed It sunk four, what is it, 10-penny nails? 10-penny nails, yeah. In 14 seconds? 15. 15, 15. seconds. <laughs> I mean, we're talking two hits each. They. It was absolutely incredible. So, I mean, the competition is intense. It's fun. It's an incredible time for companies to get together and individuals and and, and groups and really have a fun time raising money for Habitat. And due to COVID, we had to cancel it the year before last, but we were able to hold it outside this year. And the feedback we got from everybody was, the event was better than ever but they wanted to keep it outside because it just had a you know, it had a different feel to it. So it we was thought a tailgate it too. was a tailgate. Yeah, mm. so it is a nail hammering and tailgating event. So you have a chance to decorate the tailgate, you can do a cookout, and people vote on the best tailgate as well, best de- hmm. uh, decorated tailgate. And so we thought, where could we potentially have this? And we are really excited that we've decided, and it's been approved by Hellertown Borough, that we are going to be holding at May 9th in Dimick Park. Awesome! Yeah, wow. so we heard- have an
0: exclusive. Breaking news here. Yes, <laughs> yes. Breaking news. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you know, we knew when we went to tour Dimick Park that it was, I mean, the best it's a location beautiful. for it. Beautiful. Too. We just yep, knew. Yeah. Right we away. knew. Yeah. Beautiful location. Gorgeous stage. Great spot to bring in. We're going to have some food trucks this year. Beer tents. Um, yep involve some local breweries that we work with. Our goal is to have at least 50 teams and really get the community involved in it. It's an incredible event for us that really brings together women and, and, and individuals, you know, companies across the Lehigh Valley to help bring forward our mission and raise funds. And it's really
0: cool tech. too, because it, it showcases women in yes. the building yes. industry. And it's, uh,
3: it's phenomenal. You, you leave the event pretty jazzed. Habitat for Humanity International and our local affiliate is equal opportunity in its, its mission you know, all races, creeds religions, genders but there's a great deal of inequity that women face in the housing industry whether it be purchasing a home contracting, construction and events like She Nailed It really try yeah. and, and bust those myths mm-hmm. and uh, bring women together and all walks of life stay-at-home moms and entrepreneurs and contractors and philanthropists and CEOs and engineers. I mean, these these women are from such a a, a vast array of, of fields and interests and the camaraderie that they form and the uh, collegiality that is present because they believe in the mission is, is just so cool to witness and to see them come together. And we actually did a, a write-up recently about... Women of Habitat Lehigh Valley and the impact they're making uh, in Lehigh Valley style, the the most recent issue. There's a nice Very double cool. page feature. <laughs> page 52. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely on new think... On newsstands now. On newsstands now, but I, I, I definitely think we are are seeing women in particularly in a role of philanthropy. They want solutions. They they want to not only write the the check, but they want to get out there and they want to do things and and things like she nailed it. it a great door-opening opportunity for that.
0: And like you said, what 75% of your your mis- owners, you know, owners single are moms, yes. single moms. Yeah. So yeah. empowerment, yeah. Yeah, we're all exactly. about that. I mean, I could keep going here with <laughs> I think we're going to have to do a part two at some point. Yes. Um, yeah. I kind of wanted to, before we close out, though, touch on, you know, two important things, which are, you know, how can people connect with you if they want to donate directly to Habitat or become a volunteer? And also just, you know, follow you to stay up to date on everything, whether it's on social media, newsletter, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the best way to follow us would be on our website, which is habitatlv.org and then certainly follow us through our Facebook or Instagram, which is Habitat Lehigh Valley or the Habitat Lehigh Valley ReStore. You can reach out to us by calling our office, whether you're interested in supporting Habitat, whether you're interested in volunteering with us, whether you're interested in becoming a homeowner or a repair program, definitely reach out to us via the website, email or mm-hmm. phone. Like Gina said, lots of volunteer opportunities, whether it's mm-hmm. the restore, whether it's you know on the build site, it could be office. We say you don't have to swing a hammer to help build a habitat home. Mm-hmm. And then of course, many different ways to get involved if you're a company through team builders we do specific build days on site for companies or large groups or organizations sponsorships um, sponsorships so lots of different ways to get involved through there and you can reach out to us the best email address would be builddreams at
3: habitatlv.org okay. all one word so build dreams at
0: habitatlv very cool i mean we're we're so happy that you know there are those opportunities, and I certainly hope our listeners will follow up in every way. Of course, we're happy here to help you promote everything that you're doing, and and we'd love to, of course, cover. She nailed it. We oh yeah, we'll be there. absolutely. Um, that's broadcast. exciting. Yeah. Yes stuff, the truck, and and lots of other things. So, yeah, I mean, I applaud everything you're doing, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having for having us. This has been an
3: awesome time. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing, what makes you tune in every week, What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at saukensource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So, please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening.